3: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So, a lot's been happening. It's hard to keep up with the news cycle. Of course, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to say about the California recall was that do not be snowed by the narrative. This has nothing, the California recall had nothing to do with Trump, it has nothing to do with Biden's agenda. It has nothing to do with any of that. That Biden went out there and read a script, made a fool out of himself. They even cut his mic while he was out there. He wanted to tell a story. Well, there's two stories. He was out in Boise, Idaho and lied through his teeth. But in addition to that, he uh, was talking to another group and he tried to embellish and go off and ask a question of his own and they literally cut him off. And so he got booed when he arrived. He gave a lame speech, uninspired. And he's trying, he knew the fix was in or the numbers were two to one. He knew that uh, Gavin was going to win the recall. Gavin got all kinds of money from Netflix and Silicon Valley. So he was, um, you know, seriously funded in a state that's widely corrupt it's a one-party party state for a reason you cannot lose there i'm from you know philadelphia where a mayor like jim kinney at the town drunk can literally win any day of the week if he's running against a republican because because of the because of the democrat voters number 1 and number 2 the cronyism and the nepotism and the quid pro quo and the, and the backroom deals, the created assurances. And uh, I just read this um, tweet that I thought was a, a really good tweet. And it said, The worst thing about COVID-19 for me is the cruelty it has brought out in so many people who once thought we were decent. So the guy says the worst thing about covid-19 for me is the cruelty it has brought out in so many people who I once thought were decent people. And that's the same thing it's true with the democrat voters. So many democrat voters that I have known in Philadelphia for for example. And they just turned a blind eye to reality. And when you question them, they always come up with this cheap excuse of how they don't want to debate me on an issue because they don't really pay that close attention to politics. Yet their vote counts just as well as mine does. So when it comes to being questioned about or asking for them to defend their position, rather than answer that they drank the Kool-Aid and that they're just blind robots... They won't answer it like that. Oh, I don't know. I just, you know, I know enough to, I know that I know I don't want the other guy. And so it's that kind of response that is killing our country. I have never gotten into one of those debates with a libtard where they defend themselves. They always back down and they always retreat. They never want to be showed up. Not that I want to show anybody up, ever. I was at a uh, an event over, a big party with a bunch of writers over the uh, summer. And I was talking to this guy who's a journalist in the Middle East, has a Middle Eastern name, and he's a writer for several top publications. And he and I disagreed. I said, what's your biggest beef with Trump? And he said, he said, J6. <laughs> I said, J6, that's your, we're talking foreign policy, that's your biggest beef? Didn't quite get it. I didn't understand that. He says, what? You mean to tell me you don't, you don't, you think it's at all fake? Or I said, I think it was more of an insurrection. I think it was more of an infiltration than an insurrection. And I said, I would like to see the 14,000 tapes. And at the time, we weren't to know about Lieutenant Bird's murder of Ashley Babbitt. And I said, I'd like to know who shot Ashley Babbitt. I would like to see the 14,000 hours of tapes that are missing. I would like to know who planted the the J-6 bombs on the on J-5. And then I would like to ask you, what does the J-5 planting of bombs have to do with Trump's J6 speech. And I said, I know too many people that were there that had no idea that that was going to happen. This wasn't an infiltration or insurrection. This wasn't a planned attack on our country. And yet, General Milley sits out there and wastes his time instead of thinking about how he's going to resolve the Afghanistan conflict. He instead... Wants to talk about white privilege, critical race theory, and the importance of learning from our mistakes as a, as a country uh, in the military, how to make the military a better force by offering up free transgender sexual genitalia mutilation surgery, and how... People of color have been discriminated against and how our systems are unfair that they're set out to defend. A few weeks later, Afghanistan happens. It was happening already. Everybody knew it was going to happen. They didn't plan. We learned so much from Blinken yesterday when he appeared before the Senate. But in addition, we also learned that Milley is a traitor and a treasonous pig. I like them apples. We are living in the worst time in American history since probably the Civil War. I can't remember a time in this country, and I said yesterday, I was looking at these tiles or these movies and these these photographs, and just a whole blend. You know, there was a payphone. There was no cell phones. These oligarchs, these liberal oligarchs that have gotten to be trillionaires that run our communications now because we've allowed them. I'm telling you, we have to think seriously not only about getting off the grid because the government has hijacked the technology and the rich and the government associated with big tech are in on the election rigging that we've never seen before. They're in on the censorship that we've never seen before. And we have these new world order deep state globalists running the show. Just like when George Herbert Walker Bush said a new world order, not a war, war of the war, uh, not a war of the jungle. No one's going to get hurt. Thousand points of light. We're all going to you know, you can't have a war with yourself, he you say. One world like you too would promise. New world order, what's that about? Nobody knows what the new world order is. They have this misconception that somehow if there's one world, then there's one army. And it's never before in history has an army fought with itself. But that's not true. Communist Cuba fought within itself. It's called a revolution. There's always going to be fighting. So spare me the historical spin that you want to do while you try to erase spin. And George W. Bush saw it the same way and gave that crummy speech that somehow American patriots... They think the election was rigged. But they're all chummy, and they're all getting along with each other. I think it was a wake-up call just on the 9-11. How our president didn't give a speech because of his own embarrassment of his shortcomings that we're learning more and more about through Blinken's constant lies. But it's just so much more than that. There was a time in our country in the 80s, 70s, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't sign on the dotted line our life away in terms of freedom. We weren't being investigated. You know, I remember when health systems and these networks came about and people were afraid to share their health records. Now, I really believe we need to think of a strategy where we need to get off the grid as best we can and do not comply with these long legal briefs that we automatically check a box on to download and install some software or download and install or, or get online a, a certain platform. But we are learning, like Geronimo said, the worst thing about COVID is, for me, is the cruelty it has brought out in so many people who I once thought were decent. We are learning more and more about our brothers and sisters that we've been friends with for years and how much they really don't care, or how hypocritical they are. You know, you take the Ocasio Cortez, you know, Met Gala. You know, there was a really great tweet about that. And it says, you know, here she is. She's, she's engaged in a tax shelter. And people just buy it. They applaud her. It's, it's uncanny. You know, what people don't realize is the hypocrisy of it all. And Democrats seem to be too stupid to admit or acknowledge that level that level of arrogance where the workers have to wear the masks but the celebrities don't. And simply just the hypocrisy of it all. If AOC cared about taxing the rich, she would have protested the Met Gala instead of she joined the party. And there was another one that said basically that that was a tax shelter for the rich. I was trying to find that tweet. It's a really good tweet. And, oh, right here. Megan McArdle wrote this. The essence of the Met Gala is the ultra-rich people pay huge sums of money to meet and be photographed with celebrities. And then they deduct their night out from their taxes Why has no one pointed out that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wore a tax-the-rich dress to a tax shelter? How in the world can that be? So, we're going to get to the bulk of the news here because we are going to have a lot of clips to play and a lot of things to do. I wanted to get this light stuff out of the way. Here's the Biden lie. Um, right here. This is a Biden lie. He talks about Idaho uh, Boise Cascade. It turns out Joe Biden says his first job offer was from Idaho lumber company Boise Cascade. The company told the New York Post they have no record of Joe Biden ever applying there. Let's see. So we're going to play that clip right now.
1: I grew up in a little town called Claymont, Delaware, and I went to school. I used to tell Frank Church this.
3: I got my first job offer where I wanted my wife, deceased wife, and I wanted to move to Idaho because we think it's not a joke. It's
1: such a beautiful, beautiful state. And I interviewed for a job with Boise Cascade. And in the meantime, there was a war going on. Anyway, but the whole
3: point was that uh, I used to always uh, Kid Frank, but I grew up in this little steel town called Claymont, Delaware, when Scranton shut down because of coal dying. I grew up. Well, Claymont's not really a steel town. Scranton did coal. Let's take a listen to Blinken lying. Okay, this is another liar. Now, Blinken is a longtime ally of Joe Biden. See, Joe Biden had this Joe Biden Center at the Penn University in Philadelphia. And the president of Penn, her name is Amy Gutman. Amy Gutman's been running the show there for over a decade at least. And she got the to be the ambassador of Germany thanks to Joe Biden. Tell me that's not like cronyism. And... The donations that came into the Biden Center that made not only Penn and Biden rich, this is how the Ivy League, I guess, works, is they donated millions of anonymous dollars to the Biden Center. And people wanted to know who these anonymous donors were from China. And they squashed it. They covered it up. They they went through a couple of loopholes and rules and it was Anthony Blinken that made that lie happen, made that cover-up happen. So Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken, is the guy that covers up for Biden's fraud and abuse. Like, I don't really think that the Afghanistan withdrawal was as much a botched operation as it was a deep state refugee Resettlement program planned out in advance, but nobody told the generals on the ground, and nobody told half the state department that was at the embassy. They were just stool pigeons, pushing paper, doing things they were told to do, but not really getting the big picture. Anybody down that food chain wasn't fully aware of the changes in the operation from Trump to Biden, which was always about importing voters. Because there's no reason why you would ever have the need to bring Afghanistan citizens to America when there are so many other countries within the region. You could house them. You could start little communities in neighboring countries like Uzbekistan and work out partnerships with them. That would be real diplomacy. What is not real diplomacy is importing Uber drivers to work 18-hour days for minimum wage. What is not diplomacy is to import refugees and and open the borders to illegal migrants so that they could work in sweatshops and farm fields pulling the grapes off your vines if you're Nancy Pelosi in your vineyard. It's about how to import slave labor when slave labor is the name of the game. China does the slave labor for us when we import all those products from Amazon and Walmart. They make the widgets, and they do them in Chinese factories. But guess what? Those Chinese factory workers who make the iPhones and, and, the, and the Nike sneakers aren't able to actually run that dishwasher in a restaurant in a basement and full of slime for 12 hours a day at $2 an hour. But a fighting age male can. A refugee, you take them off the battlefield, they can no longer defend their country, and they're, they're young and viral, strong, they could work that 1218 hour shift at two bucks an hour and have a little gratitude to back it up because it's better than where they came from. They think two dollars an hour for 18 hours a day, wow, that's 36 bucks. When was the last time they made 36. US dollars in one day? Never. not, 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 not under the Taliban's rule. So it's an opportunity for the rich elite. The globalists. Hey, let me give me some of those in France. Let me give me some of that in Georgia. Meanwhile, the fighting age males have left the theater of war. They're now working dishwashers and pulling grapes. And guess what? China and Russia and France and Germany and America. We come in and we get up all their precious metals. They make the Airbus French planes and make those batteries in China. Because, last I checked, Afghanistan's rich with precious minerals. Rich with petroleum. Rich with heroin. Oh, well, we need an open border into America in order to get that heroin across our southern border. No problem. Problem solved. We open that border. No problem for you there. Heroin? Check. Fentanyl? Check human smuggling for slave labor and sex trade? Check. Cartels got that all locked up. The cartels are busy and beat honey. And our politicians love it. You know why? Because those cartels come with lobbyists. Work on K Street. You would never know it. But they are loaded with cash. Paying off our politicians like Lindsey Graham and I'd even dare say I listened to uh Senator Cotton today. And Senator Hawley, two of the better senators, right? Missouri and Arkansas. Guess what? Senator Cotton doesn't seem to think Millie's situation is urgent and stonewalls it. Well we're gonna meet with Millie in a couple of weeks and we're gonna to to address these concerns. And Brian Kilmeade today was like fire the guy. Why not call him up right now? Why does he get to wait? Why is his door not being brought beat down like Roger Stone's was with mach- with machine guns? How about Paul Manafort? How about Michael Cohen, president's attorney? How about Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor? They all got their doors busted down. Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, Mister. Co- Mr. Uh, Woke? Mr. White Privilege? Mr. I Can't Run an Army Battalion? Mr. Afghanistan Failure? Mr. Traitor Colluding with the CCP? To me, it's just unconscionable that we have to wait and let Millie prepare with all of his lawyers. And Holly signed off on that. Or no, Cotton. Arkansas Senator Cotton signed off on that. Let's wait. No urgency here. Are you kidding me? What kind of damage is Milley doing right now covering up his tracks? What kind of calls is he making to China right now as our chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? And Holly yesterday endorsed J.D. Vance, J.D. Vance is one of the biggest Trump haters. Now, that primary, the Republican primary for the Senate, doesn't happen until March 2022. I had to look it up. It was almost impossible to find that date. I looked it up yesterday. I've been in several soirees with J.D. Vance. Nice guy. Everybody in D.C., Republican Party, D.C., all the D.C. Republican elites love J.D. Vance. They love him. He's been a writer, you know, he's just a good guy, always gets the speaking nod at all these Republican elitist institutions. But let me tell you something, when it came to supporting Trump, he was nowhere to be found, he supported McMullen, Mitt Romney's guy, in the 2016 election. And uh, he is, everything that's wrong with the Republican Party and I am going to make sure that my voice is known in opposition to J.D. Vance. But that's, you know, Josh Hawley from Missouri. And once again, you know, typical typical Senate Republican. And we used to think these were the good guys. I'm beginning to think there, there aren't many good guys left. A lot of people love Ted Cruz, but I still blame him for selecting Vice President his vice presidential uh, pick as Carly Fiorina, who was working in bed with General Hayden, who hated Trump, and Carly Fiorina hated Trump. And together, they were spying on Americans using Christina Maxwell's Ghislaine sister, her Chiliad software, and the HP systems that Carly Fiorina was pushing on General Hayden and the CIA and the NSA. So <clears throat> I only say these things every once in a while and glossing, just glossing over them because we need to be reminded. They're not real stories right now, but we are to be reminded of the kind of people we're playing with. Now here's another one. So Joe Biden, and then we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of a lot of this stuff. Joe Biden's got his mic cut off. Listen to this. Can I ask you a question? Of course. Uh-oh. Can I ask you a question? You're not supposed to ask any questions, Joe. That wasn't in the script. Can I ask you a question? Of course. One of the things that uh, I've been working on with some others is... And then they cut it out. Said. Can I ask you a question? It said, it said at the end, thank you for joining Can I ask you a question? The White House. They put a banner up and everything. They cut him off. The leader of the free world cut off. Melissa Tate tweets this out. She says, 75% of the US population and now has now been injected at least once. 54% of, of the population considered currently is considered currently fully injected. It's according to the CDC. Now, according to Johns Hopkins, Cases are up 300% from this time last year when there was no injection available. Are the injections really working? That's what I want to know. Also, before we move on to the meat and potatoes of the day's show, which is going to be Mark Milley, there is a woman that's running for to be a federal judge. It's Miss Jennifer Wing or Ching or something like that. There's a little bit of blockage on her name, but she's an Asian woman, Jennifer Sung. There it is. So John Kennedy from Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy, asks Biden nominee Jennifer Sung, "Why is it? What is up with all these liberal Asians that want to be like communists? I don't understand that. Well, I do. I'm only bringing it up as a tongue-in-cheek kind of deal." If she stands by the letter she signed stating that Brett Kavanaugh is morally bankrupt how can a litigant possibly think that you're not going to act on personal beliefs if you were so intemperate to say something like that let's take a listen
0: Yes ma'am but do you believe he's morally bankrupt
4: My personal <laughs> opinion is not for me it's not appropriate for me to say I respect his authority as a Supreme Court so justice So you think as he as is morally courage? bankrupt I did not say that, Senator. But you
0: signed a letter saying he was morally bankrupt.
4: Several years ago Uh as an alum. How could she say she
3: didn't say it when she signed a letter saying it? Is that crazy or what? So she's doing double speak. He's trying to get her to speak. And she says she didn't say it, but then she admits that she wrote it.
4: I did not say that, Senator.
0: But you signed a letter saying he was morally bankrupt.
4: Several years ago, uh-huh. as an alum addressing my law school alma mater, I did sign a letter that I believed was addressed only to my law school administration. Oh, you but didn't think it today, would be public? I did not understand that it would be used as a public advocacy piece, no. Okay. I believed it was only addressed to my law school administration. And
0: you signed that because, because you wanted to show fidelity to your alma mater, Yale Law School?
4: I signed it senator at the time because I felt that it was an appropriate statement to make to my law school administration notwithstanding the overheated rhetoric but sitting here today as a judicial nominee what I want to assure you is that as an advocate as a litigator as a neutral adjudicator and as a judge, if confirmed, I would absolutely respect the authority of every Supreme Court justice and all of its precedents without reservation. See,
0: I don't believe you. I think you. I think you said. I think you allowed your political beliefs to cloud your judgment. And I think you said a few years ago what what you said about Brett Kavanaugh. And I think you believe it. And. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to be a litigant in front of you with that demonstration of lack of judicial temperament and judgment. How can a litigant possibly think that you're not going to act on personal beliefs if you were so intemperate to say something like this?
3: I agree. I totally agree. I would hate to have that judge uh, before me. Now, we're going to play two things. All right. Donald Trump, his response to the Mark Milley uh, situation. But before we do that, we are going to run. Um, ah, and then there's another clip I want to get to. An NBC News report with Andrea Mitchell and, uh, and uh, the anchor there. Um, and we're going to listen to what Andrea Mitchell had to say as NBC attempts to cover for Mark Milley. I want to play this one first to give you some backdrop as to the book, Peril, uh, and uh, Costa, and Bob Woodward. I just bashed Bob Woodward yesterday on this show. How apropos, right? So let's take a listen to this NBC report first. Then we're going to take a listen to Donald Trump's response to Mark Milley
1: tonight's stunning revelations in a new book that America's top military officer was so concerned former President Trump might spark a war with China in his final months in office. He took extraordinary actions. Here's Chief Washington correspondent Andrea Mitchell with that.
2: As reported in Bob Woodward and Robert Costa's book, Peril, Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley called his Chinese counterpart, General Li Zhejiang, twice in the closing months of the Trump presidency to tell him the U.S. would not strike China. Milley's first call last October 30th was prompted by intelligence that China thought the U.S. was prepared to attack because U.S. carriers had carried out military exercises in the South China Seas, and Trump was berating China for the coronavirus.
1: We must hold accountable the nation which unleashed this plague onto the world, China.
2: Two days after the January 6th insurrection, Milley calls General Lee again. Woodward and Costa write, Lee remained unusually rattled, putting the two nations on the knife edge of disaster. And it's in the aftermath of that that he sits down with commanders at the Pentagon and goes over with them the procedures for how a nuclear weapon. Uh, can be can be used. Also alarmed after January 6th, Speaker Pelosi, who calls Milley to ask, according to a transcript obtained by the authors, what precautions are available to prevent an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or from accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike? Milly ends up assuring her, I know the system and we're okay. The president alone can order the use of nuclear weapons. One person can order it. Several people have to launch it.
3: Treason. That is treason because, see, you got to understand that from China's perspective, see, the president, if he's playing a hand, it's part bluff, it's part reality, right? And so you want that General Lee counterpart on notice. You want him stressed out. You want him nervous. Even if you don't, even if it's... Even if you don't do say anything. Sometimes saying nothing. You know, like if you're breaking up with somebody, right? If you're, you're a couple and you're splitting up. Some people, I'll talk to a friend I'll say, I don't know, man, I don't think she loves me anymore. And your friend will be like, no, no, she still loves you. Well, what's, why, why do you think that? It's the fact that she's saying nothing makes me think she doesn't care. Right? I mean, it's that kind of thing where there's all kinds of strategies. Whatever, you, if you say something, it's one strategy. If you don't say something, it's another. So, this treason, he's taken the carrots and sticks off of the desk of the presidency, his boss, the commander in chief. And he's currently the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And yesterday, Blinken took the stand and lied through his teeth. And guess who didn't show up but the de- Secretary of Defense, Austin. And guess what? They already knew that this book was calling Millie into question for treason. And Austin didn't show up for that reason. Tonight, absolute craziness
1: what revel- we're dealing with
3: here. And so President Trump wrote a report, wrote a, wrote a uh, note, a memo, And he said this statement by Donald J. Trump on September 14th, 45th president of the United States. If the story of dumbass general, I'm just reading this. This is his statement. If the story of dumbass general Mark Milley, the same failed leader who engineered the worst withdrawal from a country, Afghanistan, in U.S. history, leaving behind many dead and wounded soldiers, many American citizens, and $85 billion worth of newest and most sophisticated military equipment in the world, and our country's reputation is true, then I assume he would be tried for treason in that he would have been dealing with the Chinese counterpart behind the president's back and telling China that he would be giving them notification of an attack. Can't do that. The good news is that the story is fake news con- concocted by a weak and ineffective general, together with two authors who I refused to give an interview to because, two because they write fiction, not fact. Action should be taken immediately against Millie and better and better generals in our military, of which we have many should get involved so that another Afghanistan disaster never happens again. Remember, I was the one who took out 100% of the ISIS caliphate. Millie said it couldn't be done. For the record, I never ever thought of attacking China, and China knows that. The people that fabricated the story are sick and demented, and the people who print, print it are just as bad. In fact, I'm the only president in decades who didn't get the U.S. into a war, a well-known fact that is seldom reported. Now, I want to say something else. I read a I read a tweet
1: relations in a new book that America's and, uh, top. Mil-
3: it basically said this. Adam Paul Laxalt wrote this. He said. They are magically producing a different reason to fire General Milley. Then the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. Now he should be fired twice. Time to take on our woke military elite and save our military. And you know who wrote, I would retweet that tweet I just read to you a thousand times is Rick Grinnell. So, Jerry Dunlevy reports in a, in a pair of secret phone calls, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, assured his Chinese counterpart, General Li Zhu Cheng of the PLA, that the U.S. would not strike, according to a new... So, of course, that's treason. And again, I'm going to read this one more time. Adam Paul Laxalt writes, They are magically producing a different reason for the to fire General Milley than the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. So that was a disaster, but if they fire him over that, they are admitting wrongdoing in Afghanistan. So... I think that the narrative here is that they want to fire Milley, but they want to fire him over this red tape, hands-tied loophole. Now he should be fired twice. Time to take on our woke military. Now, Mark Milley's love for China seems to have no bounds. Could it be that the decisions made on behalf of Afghanistan that helped China as probably more than any other country, because of the precious metals to use for their batteries, the close proximity to China in terms of uh, uh, factories, and the geographic position with regard to military bases. They're looking at uh, at the airport, at the, at the airport, ba, 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 uh, the uh, airport there that they gave up. And basically, they're looking at this and they're saying, we now have more leverage over the I- India's West. And there's a new triangle of alliance with Russia and Pakistan. This is threatening India. India, the country that loved Trump the most, the country that was supported by America to neutralize the threat of that ugly triangle. The Pakistanis, the, who, who support the Taliban and the Russians who want access to that region and China. And Russia sees an alliance with China. Not only are they China's a bigger economic superpower, they're a bigger military superpower than Russia. But together, they're probably bigger than NATO, maybe. So it, it really does. Create huge victories for China, and you wonder the trader Millie, if he wasn 't intending on helping China, that question now has to be asked. so before we move on to president trump 's well no, we are going to go to president trump 's response. All right, so this is President Trump's response to what you just heard.
5: ...using the military, and two, what do you think about General Milley's actions? So first of all, if
1: it is actually true, which is hard to believe, uh, that he would have called uh, China and done these things and uh, was willing to uh, advise them of an attack or in advance of an attack, that's treason, and I would think I've had so many calls today saying that's treason. Number one. Number two, it's totally ridiculous. I never thought of it. You were there, you were you would knew what was happening in the White House. You have plenty of friends. You never heard the word China mentioned in a thing like this. You heard a lot of anger about China on trade and we made a great trade deal. You heard a lot of anger in China with the China virus, but uh For them, for him to say, for him to say that I would even think about attacking China. I think he's trying to just get out of his incompetent withdrawal out of Afghanistan. The worst, the dumbest thing that anybody's seen. Probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to our country where they, they killed our soldiers. They, we left with embarrassment on our face. We left Americans behind. And we left $85 billion worth of the best equipment in the world that I bought because I was the one that rebuilt our military and then Biden gave it away. For him to say that I was going to attack China is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and everybody knows it. And I have to tell you, I don't know if they have him on tape saying this, but I found Woodward and I found uh, his uh, cohorts to be extremely dishonorable people. That's why I didn't do an interview with him. I think he's highly overrated. This guy is one of the most overrated guys. He's a sleaze. But I did not ever think of attacking China. One other thing, I just read a report about a week ago, where they said Donald Trump was the only president in decades that didn't start a war. So, so
3: listen to how well Trump stayed on his message. He wrote a memo, you know, a note, a press release, and that narrative he just gave was almost perfect in terms of mimicking Are that no type of nar- narrative, Right. So it's kind of interesting that he he's that uh, that astute and that on point. Uh, really great stuff. Before we go on to Rand Paul and questioning Blinken, I want I want you to listen to this COVID speech of this ridiculously radical woman named Gladys barrett Killen. Uh, she is from Australia, or yeah, Australia. Here we go. Let's take a listen to what we're in store for if we don't say no to this vaccine mandate madness.
6: That obviously once we get to 70% double dose vaccination, we've outlined the freedoms.
3: Okay, before we continue, there's that 70% I've been talking about, right? I'm one of the few people that's been talking about this. 70% bullies the 30%. It's 70% leverage. They don't, have the, they don't have a constitutional re, uh, allowance to, to mandate what they're doing. They want corporations to actually carry out their narrative, just like in our country. And they want to get it to 80%. Once you get to 80%, if the gloves come off, you won't have a life. We will punish you. Listen.
6: That obviously once we get to 70% double-dose vaccination, we've outlined the freedoms that exist for vaccinated people. However, don't assume that at 80% uh, double-dose vaccination that unvaccinated people are going to have all those freedoms. I want to make that point very clear. Uh, For those of you who choose not to be vaccinated, that's your choice, but don't expect to do everything that that vaccinated people do even when we hit 80%, and I want to make that very clear. I don't want people to think they can sit back, let everybody else do the hard work, and then turn up when it's 80% and get everything else that vaccinated people are I want to say very clearly uh, that if you're not vaccinated, you will not have the freedom or the freedoms that vaccinated people have, even when we get to 80% double dose. But I don't want people to think, oh, I'll sit back, not get vaccinated, and then just wait and then let others do the hard work and then get everything that everybody else is getting. But I want to make very clear, at 80% double dose, our expectation is that those that are vaccinated will enjoy overseas travel, will welcome home uh, fully vaccinated, will start welcoming home fully vaccinated uh, Australians coming through Sydney Airport. But don't assume you can sit back uh, and by choice uh, participate in everything. I think all of us, I mean, I personally don't want to go into a workplace or a or a venue where there's unvaccinated people. That's just my personal choice. I would never have assumed in someone in my position would have to make the decisions we've had to make on behalf of the people of the state.
3: All right, the same woman, right? She, she writes this. Premier, she's the Premier Gladys Berejiklian. Good governments, this is her quote, good governments stay out of people's lives and give people the freedom to make their own choices. Does that sound like the same woman you just heard? I think not. All right, we're going to take a listen now. We're going to go straight to uh, Rand Paul. So Rand Paul makes this statement. Let's take a listen to this.
7: The 64 million... This, this is th- to Blinken. ...is the tip of the iceberg. There's still about $10 billion out there that was designated for the Afghan government. Can you pledge today without equivocation that the Biden administration will not release any of this money to the Taliban? Uh,
8: absent the Taliban, making good on the uh, commitments and expectations of the uh, international community that I've outlined uh, previously, that's correct?
7: Maybe we could deduct a fee for the weapons they took.
8: So, uh, Senator, uh, on, the, uh, on the weapons, again, I'll defer to my, my colleagues at the Pentagon who are more expert in this. Uh, you're right that about uh, $80 billion worth of weaponry has been provided over the course of the last... Fifteen or sixteen years. Uh, much of that, uh, the, the significant weaponry—planes, helicopters—is actually inoperable. Will soon become inoperable because it can't be maintained. In terms of the strategic threat that that weaponry poses, uh, it doesn't to us or to Afghanistan's neighbors. You, but Clearly, you can't
7: say you're not going to give them the money if they behave. You're going to give them the money. Why don't we subtract the eighty billion from the ten billion you're going to give them? Then they're minus seventy still. I mean, really, the fact that you're entertaining good behavior that they'll get more money. I think is a big mistake and a naive notion that we're going to somehow change this Stone Age philosophy by giving them more of our money. We've sunk trillions of dollars over this. This Our chance to have a peace dividend. Let's quit sending good money after bad.
3: Makes sense, right? If If it was your money, that's the way you'd spend it. And it continues let 's continue that. the
7: money if they behave you 're going to give them the money why don 't we subtract the eighty billion from the ten billion you 're going to give them then they 're minus seventy still. I mean really, the fact that you 're entertaining good behavior that they 'll get more money I think is a big mistake, and a naive notion that we 're going to somehow change this stone Age philosophy by giving them more of our money we 've sunk trillions of dollars over this our chance to have a peace dividend let 's quit sending good money after bad. The guy the Biden administration droned was he an aid worker or an ISIS K operative?
3: Now check this out, okay? The guy that uh, the Biden administration droned was he an aid worker? Listen to this now.
7: That... In good money after bad, the guy the Biden administration droned was he an aid worker or an ISIS K operative?
8: Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike, uh, and I'm sure that a you know, full assessment will be, will be forthcoming. So you don't
7: know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative?
8: Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event.
7: So you don't know or won't tell us?
8: Uh, I, don't, I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it.
7: Well, see, you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a Predator drone, whether he's an aid worker or he's an ISIS-K. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. And the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what? Maybe you created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorists from bombing the wrong people. So you've got to know who you We can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people. We have an investigation before we kill people.
3: <laughs> Does that make sense to you? I think it makes sense, right? It makes perfect sense. There's videos flying all over the Internet about all these different staged mask events where people are putting on their mask quickly, uh, to try to sell their narrative, right? So that's also just a bunch of hogwash, right? Um, so what are we to do about all this? Why is our GOP? Why is our GOP not doing the right thing and getting involved? To me, that's disturbing. Oh, I do. I do want to play this. Um, I want to play this uh, Tucker Carlson um, thing just before we leave. In a moment
5: of centralized tech surveillance combined with mass social conformity, and that's exactly the country we're living in right now, there aren't many limits to where it could go. If they can force you to take a vaccine that you don't need, what can't they do? Why don't they, I don't know, make you take psychiatric drugs if you're persistently disobedient? Express the wrong view, get a Thorazine shot. Why couldn't they do that? What's the limiting principle on them? In fact, you can imagine a panel of CNN doctors explaining that we'd all be a lot safer if the mentally ill propagandists on the radical right got the treatment they need and stopped spreading their dangerous conspiracy theories. So giving them psychotropic meds is an urgent matter of public health. Does that sound (laughs) far-fetched? How about if these school therapists convinced your six-year-old to switch genders and accept chemical castration? At this point, why should you be able to stop that from happening? Why should you have any say at all? You're not a doctor. You're just a parent and you have no power. If you're no longer in control of your own body, and thanks to the vaccine mandates, we've established that you were not in control of your own body. What gives you the right to control your child's body? That's a good question. As Joe Biden himself told the country on Thursday, this is not about freedom. And that's true. It's not about freedom. Keep in mind, it wasn't so long ago that authorities in this country forcibly sterilized and lobotomized American citizens against their will. Why? In the name of public health. And it wasn't just a few people, by the way, it was a lot of people. So explain slowly so we can understand why that can't happen again. Tell us why some version of that isn't unfolding right now. That's what we're up
3: against, folks. Parents are being superseded by teachers. Because they're scientific, they're educated uh, teachers, educators, whatever. Trust the scientists when the scientists lie about climate change or COVID. These scientists that have been wrong more than they've been right. Where the numbers don't add up. And there's so much more to this. We have to get stronger. We have to Get ahead of the curve when it comes to voter fraud and election rigging. We have to learn how to voice our opinions and get better representation. Representatives that reflect who we are as a society. And sometimes I'm beginning to wonder who we are as a society because too many friends that I've known for so long that have been Democrats have sold us out. And for what? Political game because they're so naive and they don't know politics. They don't know the issues. But they don't want to admit they're wrong. In any case, um, we're at the end of our show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, magapack.org and scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. We'll see you next time.